Blog Talk Radio. You. How's everybody doing? Hope everybody's having a good day so far. This is the King Vision Podcast, the vision of a king. Um, yeah. So thank y'all for joining. I was really trying to play this T.I. song, I'm a king, but it wouldn't play because Apple Music is too slow and my phone is too trash. Um, So tonight we're supposed to be talking about feminine energy. I have some people that might join me today to discuss topics relating to feminism, femininity, um, really kind of masculinity within the within the context of feminism feminism and femininity and what does it even mean to be masculine and feminine in 2018 specifically in the black community because I think that's always got a little extra spin on it when we're talking about the black community just because of the reality of we we we're different in some ways and there's certain things that we got to do and deal with <laughs> That uh, other cultures, they maybe they have to deal with, but it's just a different kind of reality. Um, so yeah, um, and I kind of want to look at it from a different, from different uh, aspects and areas. Um, I may, uh, like I said, touch on a few different specific areas, but I'm gonna try to, um, I'm at least try my best to keep it, have let it have some flow. Um, only because I don't necessarily want it to be too scattered, but uh, at the same time, I want to cover a couple of different options and um, look at it from a couple of different ways. And hopefully we can get the perspective of some females um, and see what their kind of thing is, specifically with kind of... Uh, like we done touched on before here with like modern kind of what's considered modern um, fashion and and modern um, other things. Hi. You? Hey, what's up? Hey. So, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So, uh, for those listening, um, this is my homegirl, Sydney. Um she too has a podcast that she does, the Thick Roots podcast. Um, please check it out when you get a chance. Um, y'all are on like all platforms, right? We are on all platforms: iHeart, um, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud. Yeah, I'm trash. I'm only on Blog Talk Radio and Apple. Um, and I don't like. I said I don't really do. I don't do no like. There's no real consistency and I need to work on that but I, I kind of care but I kind of don't care because this is like fun for me and it's a way to kind of talk talk about some of this stuff and so but I do want it for the sake of listening because I do really I did notice that when I'm consistent with it I do get a lot more listens so um, I'm going to try to be more consistent um, so yeah um, so thank you for jumping on I thought it would be cool to have you kind of uh, discuss some of this stuff with me and also some other people might join too because I like I said I usually do it with one or two other guys and I hope they join tonight too especially um tonight because I think that the balance and perspective would be real good 
specifically talking about okay. feminism, feminine, feminine energy. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I guess I just wanted to start off by just um, talking about just feminine energy as a whole. Um, specifically in 2018, it seems to be kind of the dominant energy that's kind of in the world. And I mean, I guess depending on how you look at it, feminine energy is always going to be the dominant energy. But um, it's it's it, which is weird from the way that our society is set up. But um, it's just it's feminism and like feminine things that are considered feminine um, or that were at least once considered feminine. Um, I guess that this, in this today's kind of time in society, the idea of something even being feminine is kind of being challenged. And so um, right. that makes femininity look away. It looks masculinity, masculinity look away and everything's kind of being kind of uh, shaped into something different. And we, because it's still happening in front of us, we really can't say what it's being shaped into, but um, it's definitely being shaped. And so I've had multiple conversations on this podcast about masculinity and my, <clears throat> my own personal feelings. Oh yes. Oh yes. About masculinity. Um, yo, What's good, bro? What's good? What's good? So, QB, um, on the line, we also have my homegirl, Sydney. Sydney, this is QB. Uh, Hi. Y'all are, y'all are very much, y'all are very much alike in a lot of ways, um, as far as like your perspectives and your passion for certain things. And so I think this this particular conversation is going to actually be pretty dope. Um, and so thank both of y'all for jumping on with me. But um, yeah, so pretty much, like I said, like I was saying with feminine energy, uh, QB tonight, we're talking about feminine energy and we just kind of starting as a whole with uh, overall feminism and all of that. And um, yeah, I was kind of going into it, but um, getting back to it. Yeah, it's 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 something that, like I said, I've I've kind of griped about masculinity in 2018 and 2017 and kind of how I feel about it and kind of that masculinity is under under attack in some ways. Um, specifically in the black community. And so I kind of wanted to start with like um, just kind of discussing, like I said, where feminine energy is right now. And uh, as a woman, do you feel it's under attack? And where, where do you feel like, what do you feel the status of feminism and femininity is right now? Well, I think that um, that is a loaded question. And it, cause it, there's a lot of layers there. And I think the first thing that stands out to me um, is that you're extremely intuitive when you say that it seems like our world is leaning towards this more feminine energy right now and the possibility that feminine energy is always the dominant energy. There's actually this concept of the goddess rising, which is a time frame where the the, the world's energy shifts from a more masculine um, aggressive, protective energy to a more nurturing, um, more intuitive, more um, thought-provoking energy. And we're actually coming into like a goddess rising time. So I absolutely do believe that um, feminine energy is the dominant energy right now. But in terms of like on a very surface level, whether um, what we identify as feminine is under attack. I, I don't believe so. I believe that we're we're starting to honestly um, define what those things mean, and um, also starting to understand that we all have a masculine and feminine 
part of ourselves. Um, so you can very much be a man and very much be masculine, but you, you, there are also aspects of yourself that are more nurturing, um, that are more intuitive, that are that fall under some of these categories, but that doesn't mean that you're any less of a man, if that's what you define yourself as. Okay, okay. So if we're saying that you're saying that you don't believe that femininity and feminism in that way is being un- like under attack, do you um, do you see um, those that identify as trans women as like wh- where does that fit under um, the status or state of feminism? My feminism is intersectional. Um, I think to discuss feminism in ways inherently racist, um, because when you're talking about first and second wave feminism, you're talking about wage gaps. I don't give a fuck about, oh, can I cuss on you? Yeah, it don't matter. I don't give a fuck about wage gaps when you're talking, when we have brown women who are undocumented, who can't even get a job legally or um, other women of color who are um, in sex work, in the, like in the field of sex work, and that's not even considered an actual job, or, or a mother who's a stay-at-home mother who, you know, doesn't earn a livable wage. She's that, we don't even calculate the amount of money that those people are making. So I personally feel like white feminism, first and second wave feminism, are not actually feminism because they are not in I see. We believe that trans women are women. I'm pro ho, pro sex, all that. So <laughs> I don't know okay. what type of listeners y'all have, but I'm all the way left. <laughs> like <laughs> so. Well, no, I mean, I think it's I think it's worth the conversation because I think that, um, like I said, specifically in the black community, um, males wouldn't necessarily take that same stance as. Well, that's white masculinity, and the same definitely applies for masculinity. You know, as far as what is considered dominant masculinity is for sure white masculinity, because things that are considered black masculinity are deemed as threatening, and so they don't really get to FaceTime in the same way. And so it's a situation where um, they're not going to necessarily look at that in that way. Um, but I, I, but at the same time, there's still a, a agreement within the what is considered feminine and what's not, because you definitely brought up a whole lot of aspects of um, general, I guess, womanhood that would be, mm-hmm. um, I, I can't say it would be impossible for certain people to understand and relate to, but it would be, they would have to um, go out of their way to create experience to say that they've had that true experience as a woman, or they'd have to find a way to have it um if that makes sense. Um, but You also have to consider that you define your womanhood. So my womanhood doesn't look the same as a, as a woman who identifies more with her masculine energy. There are ways in which I can be masculine. There are certain ways in which I'm, I, I just am. I, I have masculine energy in that particular space, and there's other places in my life that I don't. But there could be a woman that, you know, just for the the sake of stereotypes, is like a butch lesbian. She walk around in men's clothes all day, got a short haircut, you know, like it it lived her life totally on, um, in terms of the social construct of gender, 
like a man would, but still identifies herself as a woman. Our experiences are completely different, but but so how do you define womanhood? It's defined differently for everyone. So even even in that context, because um, I'm more speaking to um, because well, I guess it's a the, would a woman would a trans male that was born biologically a woman um would you consider that person as being this like having the same energy as you um i feel like so for starters let me say that i feel like um it's especially in terms of visibility i feel like it's very important for trans people to speak on their own behalf but as a woman and a feminist, by way of womanism, by way of humanism, um, I do feel as though trans men fall under that same umbrella of protection that I would put anyone else or that I would put anyone who is femidentifying. But I also put gay men who are more toward the feminine side of the spectrum in that bucket as well. I don't think that we necessarily share the same experiences, but when I'm thinking about marginalized communities and who needs our support and who needs visibility and representation and who requires, you know, additional safety, I do consider them when I'm thinking about those things. But they're men. And oftentimes in my experience, um, once they transition, they take that male privilege and run. And I have not seen very many trans men fighting for the rights of trans women who are being murdered on a consistent basis. Mm, there have already been 14 trans women um, murdered in 2018, and I've not seen very many trans men standing up on their behalf. So they, they kind of take that male privilege, especially in, in a situation where they may be passing. Um, and so, you know, nobody's clocking them and like, oh, you used to be a woman, like, they're taking the right. male privilege and they're doing whatever y'all do with it. So right, but I still and I still feel like they are marginalized. Well, it's interesting that you say that too because it's almost like um a true a true swap out to a point where a person could really um lose themselves in the identity to a point where they forget that. I guess there once was a different side and a different experience. And like you said, if they're passing, then there's like a, there's not even a conversation about it. And the fact that there wouldn't be more people advocating, um, that, that is interesting in itself. Um, that's, that's, that's very interesting that you said that, because like I said, when I have certain conversations with certain people from certain communities, they'll tell me that the conversation amongst one another is just as confusing and, and, and person to person as it is from people with people outside of the community. And so to, to have it be validated in other ways, it it just sounds like to me that people are struggling with identity in general and everybody, like no one's got it all the way down packed. And there are certain, there are certain markers and there's some dominant identities that um, kind of play, play out. But at the end of the day, like we're all trying to figure it out. We're all trying to do it. But that is a, that is a very good point. Like I, I guess you don't really see because you, when you see when you see activism around it, it's really more. Um, it's like everyone. It's like there are certain things that are discussed, 
and there are certain things that are talked about. And it's funny that you talked about male privilege and someone who has, um, I guess, I can't say they've started a new identity, but someone that's kind of um, walking in a new identity and it's something that's working, they begin to kind of take on the uh, characteristics of the, the the very people that they What's that called? <laughs> the people that uh, suppress them. What's that called? Um, where like you start to gain a, a liking for your um, capturer. Um, uh, something syndrome. Are you talking about Stockholm it? syndrome? Yeah, Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Well, I. Um, I kinda... Go ahead. I think that it. When okay, so I think that oftentimes we can be tools of our own oppression. And that is not necessarily our fault, but it is something that we have the tools to acknowledge and then learn to undo. And currently, we live in a binary world. So instead of people just being fluid and being all that they are and saying, I don't fit nowhere on the spectrum because I'm all over the place, we try and fit ourselves into these boxes, especially marginalized people like people in the trans community. And if it, when you're in a situation where your life is in danger just for existing in a space that, that makes you comfortable, wouldn't you choose to go stealth? Like, wouldn't you choose to go under the radar? Like, if, if, if your blackness was something that you could hide, you could be black, black internally, and you never had to worry about being gunned down in the street or, you know, clocked when you're walking around a store or, you know, pulled over, if you could, you know, suppress that and kind of hide it, it's almost like a, like a coping mechanism or like a, they're like chameleons. They're, they're just doing what they can do to survive. But in doing that, it's bringing light and visibility to the needs of their community. And it's not helping the people at the opposite end of the spectrum who can't help but be visible. Because they can't right. take off, right. you know, the fact that they're not passing as a woman or that they can't afford surgery or tea or hormones or whatever. So, yeah, well, it's, it's just internalized well, I know oppression. For, for me, I definitely wouldn't. Um, I know that, that like, I, I can't. That one's hard to relate to because I definitely would not. I'd rather be locked in the street than not be black. Being black is pretty awesome. Um Suppression and all. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. But I mean, that's the only thing I could I could think to compare. Oh no, I see what you're saying. I I get what you're saying. I'm never taking skin off. But right. And I guess too, I'm also more curious also about like so if I see a trans man and I look at myself, I, I I don't look at that being the same as me. And I'm not saying that I'm better than them. I'm not saying they're a bad person because they're a trans man. I'm saying that you're we're not equal. Um, and so that, that I'm kind of getting we're not equal in a sense of um, your experiences we're just different. are not the same. Your well, our experiences, experiences are not the same, same. but it, it's not it's 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 also very much. Uh, I, I can't really even get words to it. It's just that we're we're very much too separate versions of what of one thing if that makes sense like we're two very separate but, versions but of so one thing but so are you in a so are you in an indian man 
Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is, but at the same time, I look at that Indian man and say, on some level, we are the same. And I look at that trans woman and say, on some level, we are the same. But in some ways, we are very much not the same. And um, so, so when it comes to masculinity and having conversations about masculinity and what manhood is, I don't know that uh, you. I don't know that you get the same at the table. And it's and it's not you from a place of. What? I don't know if you get the same seat at the table of the conversation of masculinity. Because it's a situation where your experience as a male is not necessarily my experience as a male, but but there is a common experience. And so, with that being said, you you probably get some of it. But if you are someone, if you are a trans male and you're noticeably a trans male. Even men and or non-trans men and women are going to approach you and talk to you and treat you a little bit different. They may even treat you better, depending on where you're at. Especially if we're talking about in the workplace. So it's a situation well, where I think that if you're if you're going if you're choosing to go undetected, they're not going to know. So their their experience is oh yeah, but I'm saying like very much the same aside from the fear of being being outed. But that's well, like I'm saying like, you know it's way. In a way, I feel like you're very right, but I also think that it's it's a dangerous conversation to others. I mean, it's them. pretty dangerous. Um, yeah, because th- their experience is different. That's why there's the trans in front of the man, because they had the experience, whether it's painful for them or not. Some of them choose not to talk about it, but before, you know, you were this man, you had to transition from this little girl or from this woman into who who you are, or at least in terms of how we perceive you as a society. And masculinity is something that's performed. Masculinity is something that you were born with. So it's constantly being challenged because things are consistently changing. Masculinity looks completely than it did 2,000 years ago. Y'all ain't parading around in wigs, having little boys in huts that y'all was fucking in the corner like that that's not what we consider masculine right now but that was something that used to be acceptable so masculinity is a performance in the same way that femininity on this particular level is a performance because it's it's not something that's inherent it's something that is taught it's something that's performed so with that being said is it are we should we should we lean closer to the side of looking at this whole piece of just existence more in the way that the LGBTQ looks at it because it's very much more open and it's very much, it's not, even though that does bring in more identities, it it opens the door for more than two identities. So as a society, do you think it's beneficial for us to just kind of look at it as being more open the way that the LGBTQ community looks at it because I, it's for me the only thought is like like i said before and qb heard me say before on here it's like i don't even mind like no one is a, i can't say no one but i'm not against trans people i'm not against transgenders i'm not against gay people i'm not against people having homosexual relationships i just don't like this whole concept of masculinity has to go away feminism femininity has to go away being a manhood and being a man that goes away because everything is so fluid and everything is so you know free and I get it but I'm very much attached to my manhood and my masculinity and the things that even if it is something that society told me 
I'm very much attached to it. And I don't I want you to be able to live and express yourself and be able to express what you consider or your masculinity to be, or or whatever you identify as, I want you to be able to express it. But that does not mean that my identification with masculinity has to change because of you. And that's the part that I right. have an issue with. And, go ahead. No, that was it. That was it. Oh, I feel like um, it sounds like it feels threatening to you. And I I I can identify and understand that. But I don't feel like anyone else's experience has to impede on your own. So I don't necessarily agree that masculinity and femininity need to go away. But I think that there is a much larger spectrum. It's not black and white. Um, and I, I feel like there are a whole lot of things that that linger in between that. But I, I absolutely believe that masculine and feminine are a thing. Like they just, like, that isn't in like an inherent thing in just in the world. Even like when, when you talk about people calling women female instead of calling them women, which is what gives them the humanity, even outside of humans, masculine and feminine like still exist. So I, I just feel like there's a spectrum in between, but those things are still the two like polar opposites. Okay, yeah. So, so them I think that was in the middle shouldn't affect shouldn't shouldn't thre- shouldn't make you feel threatened. And it may maybe well, it's the way in which it's being explained or talked about. Um Well, it's really maybe it's really it two things. Strange. It's really two things. Um the first thing being um because of um society's advancement and the, because of the way things have progressed so quickly, um, you have people that are able to are able to alter themselves or they may naturally look more masculine or more, or more feminine. And they're exchanging and interacting with people that they don't know whether or not... Uh, and I'm not saying this is something that's like super widespread and everybody's out here in this crazy epidemic, but I'm just saying that it happens. Um, and so... Um, and my example, and I talked about this on before, was uh, a couple months ago, like eight months ago, designer was in L.A., and there's this really popular trans woman, uh, light-skinned, that, like, if you saw pictures and no one told you, you wouldn't know that that was a trans woman. You'd, you'd think it's just a chick that live in L.A. And so um, he was dancing with her, and then he didn't know that she was a trans woman, and um, he, um, like, after he found out, he did this whole, like, Instagram, and he was kind of rude, and he was like, I didn't know that was a dude, and all of this stuff like that. And I'm saying, for me, like, that's the part where it's, like, it, it's so passable that you could be in a situation uh, where you're, you may be, as a single guy, you might be in the club dancing with someone, and then you find out later that that's a trans woman. And if, had you known, you would have chosen not to dance with that trans woman, had you known. But... If a trans woman doesn't feel any need to share that because that woman does not have an obligation to go up to every person and be like, oh, by the way, I'm trans. So I understand that part of it, but I'm saying that leaves a lot of exchanges that that's almost like the way that we see men um, approaching women on advances where it's like it's an unwanted advance. And I know that's a very, that's kind of great, but that's the way I see it because if I had no knowledge, that you were that you were a trans woman, but and everything about your appearance, it says that you're not a trans woman. That you're just oh, what society considers a woman. 
and then I make a decision to dance with you, and then I later on find out, like, I'm a, I would be a little upset. And no, you shouldn't. But it's almost like, should you just not dance at all, you know? And then the other part is honestly, and I, and I shouldn't use college kids as a, a temperature, like a thermometer, because, of course, they're going to be the extreme of everything. But, like, with the, with the college kids, they're, the people that are kind of coming up now that are a part of the trans uh, movements and the tra- that are part of the super extreme ones, I've seen shirts and hoodies that say, like, gender with the, like, like the no smoking sign, but it's, like, gender. So they're, like, they're saying, like, no gender. And that goes back to what I was talking about, like, you know, I, I really wouldn't want my son to be taught by a teacher that did not believe in gender. Because then she's going to – the way that she's going to go about her teaching is that from that place of not believing in gender. So every discussion well, no, is going to necessarily – talking more so about how they identify which they don't have a gender so treat them like a human which means no but i'm saying like when when you talk to these people talk to these people they'll tell you like no like in a in their perfect world there would be no identifiers because people are just people so there wouldn't be no uh, a male and a female perfect world that is i mean we we don't live in a perfect world so i mean i know but i'm just saying the fact that it's like like all and you know, nothing. we we know somebody like that. You remember um, the woman who ran the women's center? At yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She raised her daughter yeah. like that, right? Well, her and that's what I'm saying. Like but, but I'm just saying, I, and 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 I'm I'm not even saying that she's wrong for doing that because I get what the point that she's trying to make. But you're almost overly doing it when you do it like that because she could have just put the toys in the room and then the daughter would have. Uh, you know, migrated to whatever they were interested in. But for you to go out mm-hmm. of your way and, like, try to create this super neutral environment so that your kid can pick, and if your kid starts to go to something a little more feminine, you're going to try to push some mas- a little bit more masculine stuff to try to balance it out. That's just a little off, you know. Um, yeah, I think, so- I think that that is extreme. But I do want to uh, speak to your first point about um, the dancing. Um I, even as a feminist, as a womanist, as a humanist, have to acknowledge that there are ways in which I am still transphobic because I do not understand everything. I don't profess to understand everything, and there are still areas where even I am confused. Um, And for me, on one hand, I understand why you would not just walk up to everyone and share share your status because it's only March and at least 14 trans women have been killed in the United States that we know of, you know, and then, so real danger. So putting yourself out there, you don't know the reaction that you're getting. As a woman, I can understand that danger because in the same way that a a man might want to dance with you and not know that you're trans and then be upset, I could just tell a nigga no. A woman yeah. got shot point blank in her face for saying no. And that's something that happens consistently. So I understand the danger and the fear on one end, but I also at the at the other end, um, in defense of men, I feel like it is not I feel like there need there should come a point where you share that information. Um, 
for everybody's safety, <laughs> for your safety so that someone's not getting upset and attacking you, but also because that can that fucks with you. If I'm a heterosexual man and I'm dancing with this this beautiful woman and I'm thinking, okay, you know, this might go somewhere, and then I find out that you're trans. My homeboys are looking at me some kind of way. I'm questioning myself. I, I don't know where to go from here, and I feel like something's been taken from me, like almost like I've been assaulted because because someone was dishonest with me right. and I'm not comfortable in that dishonesty. And so I absolutely understand what you mean by that, but if we don't create a safe environment for them to be honest, you're not going to get that. So as men, we have to – or not we, because y'all <laughs> have to create a safe space for people to be who they are and not feel threatened just because someone else is existing in the same room as you or in the same office as you or even in the same friend circle as you, it's okay for them to exist and they should be able to to share that information with you without a violent reaction. That's the part of masculinity that needs to go is, is the violence and the hyper masculinity that, that gets people killed. (laughs) So well, it doesn't need to go. To that, it does. Why not? Because it, it has a purpose. It, it just needs. It has. It just needs. It needs to go in this way. Because at the same time, you need that violence and you need that kind of aggression when it comes to protecting your, the women and when it comes to protecting pe- uh, people in general. So you kind of need it. it just, women it just can not protect these, themselves. And I mean, yeah, that's true too. But I'm from saying from other men. So that same violence that you're using to protect us is the same violence that you're protecting us from. So if the violence went, there would be no issue. I don't know. I think we'd all be sitting there. The number one killer of black women is black men, per the CDC. I mean, right, but the number one killer of white women would probably be white men, and the number one killer of Asian women would probably be Asian men. You know what I'm saying? You have you'd have to look it up. I I wouldn't know, but it's the number one killer under like heart disease or something like that. And, and yeah, that but that says a lot. Like, and if you're and if well, if that's the case, when you're across the spectrum, if the number one killer of of women is men, and it's not the same way in reverse, there's something to be said about that. There's I'm, something I'm, about I'm, that violence. I'll not look up the I'll not look up the statistics and go ahead and assume that the number one killer of women is men. That sounds right, honestly. But I mean, um, but from a but at the same time, you know, there are nuances and there are pieces of it that we would have to you know look at to see what was the That's kind true. of story behind it. Um, but at the same time, I do I I can't say that as a society because I don't I don't think it I don't think a healthy society doesn't have any violence in it. Say what? Oh yeah, I don't. I don't think a healthy society has no violence. I think. I think it does have a place. It just. It's just been misplaced over time, and then men have kind of, because power is a thing that men kind of crave. Um, with usually a lot of power, force comes with it. So, um, I think that's what the reason why I kind of the the two are kind of coupled together. But I definitely understand. But QB, I'm I'm curious curious to hear what you think about this. I know I haven't. I haven't heard from you, and I'm I definitely am just curious to know what you're thinking. Oh, I was oh man! About to I was just trying to enjoy the conversation. Uh, honestly, um, it was some really good information. Uh, from my point of view, going all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, 
Um, I feel like uh, specifically with the black community or black people, we are still on a pathway um, to redefining and refounding what we saw as the feminine energy and masculine energy, the femininity, masculinity, manhood, and womanhood. Um, so not necessarily either one being ever under attack, but actually continually being thrown out of balance. I mean, that, you can see the same thing across anything that we've tried to accomplish uh, since, you know, engagement with others, that there's always been this imbalance that's going to be kind of um, thrown in there and, and divisive narratives along with that. So even this idea that, like Omar was saying, like, um, we cannot exist in the same space, I don't feel like that's something that aligns with the way that I see the world. However, um, we still have to understand that um, we can't minimize anyone's experience for the experience of, of one group or, the, or over the other. Um, and that's a lot of times where we, we, we start to, 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 to split hairs. A lot of times we end up being far left or far right, and um, blackness ends up being all the way throughout any spectrum that we have. Um, Absolutely. But specifically in, the, in this country, um, in my research, I know when I talk about masculinity, I, I always make sure I talk about, like, there not being a, a opportunity without the influence of others, and everyone choose to define these things without others reviewing, um, making edits to uh, whatever definition that we come up with. And we've seen more rigid and harsh definitions of both um, throughout in our, in our, in our um, history. And keep remembering that we're only less than 200 years from some type of um, debt peonage or uh, Jim Crow or slavery black code. So we're not necessarily um, out of the water yet uh, just because we now have been engaging with um, developed individuals from so-called developed nations. That's true. That's very true. That's very true. Very true. Yeah. Well, and it's one of them things, too, where, um, like I said, and I think I want to reiterate, like, um, I'm not I'm not against trans people. I'm, um, I like Sydney said. I think uh, every person that is not a part of the trans community, um, on some level, is transphobic. I mean, I've seen people that are supposed to be allies, and if you really get them talking and you really get to start getting down to what they think, they're probably more transphobic than what they come off as, and so or, or just homophobic in general. Um, but it's a situation where. Um, like I said, I mean, I think people are just trying to figure life out day to day. I put up a, a post about just finding a house that you can afford in the city you want to live in. So I don't know that anybody has time to be too hateful because everybody's just trying to make it and survive and just have regular peace in their life and have regular love in their life. And so, like I said, I want to reiterate that none of us are against trans people and are against gay people um, because um, it's a personal belief of ours that if you have these people as a part of your family, how can you hate them? And I think everybody has a gay person or a trans person in their family, in their immediate family, if not their extended family. Um, oh, uh, Omar, can I get back in there real quick? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and remembering that um, we both have different energies for different purposes, for, 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 you know, different purposes. Um, and a lot of times what we really are um, debating is really the place and structure in that mechanism that we call the world each one should go in. So um, when we talk about black and white versus more fluid and spectrum, we're really talking about what the masculine energy and feminine energy and how they meet in the middle um, really have to try to figure out how to um, swim around each other in that kind of yin-yang kind of formation. And 
a lot of times what I find myself as a um, philosopher dealing with is how far does the epistemology and ontology go and, and when we're just discussing the research or discussing um, articles because um, how I see the world and how I want the world to engage with one another has to come through those writings and come through how we are discussing the world. Um, so right. similar to how you kind of discussed, um, Omar, this place for violence, you know, there has to be a place for because it exists in this ethos that we have to kind of navigate. So we have to mitigate violence somehow in this space, as well as nonviolence, as well as um, those who are victims of violence in a way that um, we as a society come to an agreement on. And that's part of, part of the issue with scholarly conversation. Um, we have this illusion that we can um, somehow um, get rid of entirely these certain ways of being, uh, ways of seeing the world, um, when in, in actuality we have to mitigate them in order for us as a collective to somehow come to some, some basis that we all could stand on. And that's really what the issue becomes because um, there's never going to be a point in time where people will lose their entire structure. There's never going to be a point in time where fluidity will be the only answer. Right. That's very true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And it's crazy, too, what you said about, um, like you said, academics and how, like I said, the progression of it so fast, it's, it's created very strong opinions and there is no true like there's no one answer, even amongst like I said, the people that are that share a similar narrative. Like and like Sydney's saying, like even amongst women and amongst men, there is no kind of this is how you be a man because one person look at a dude and be like, yeah, he a bitch, like he a punk, he soft, he 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 don't stand up for himself, and then somebody else look at him and be like, that's a that's a man right there. He work hard, he got a good job, he you know. So depending on who you're looking at and what you're looking at, I mean, it's all pretty it's all pretty gray. Um, I think I think I think that's the kind of important factors to make because I I am a believer. Um, you know, like I said, and you 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 can't be my equal in one way, but you are very much my equal in another way. And so, um, I think we if we can do that and kind of get past that, then I think we'll be good. Um, and I kind of want to kind of talk about. Go ahead, go ahead. I jump in one more time, and, and also. Oh, yeah. In that navigation, remembering that there are individuals who are um, in their navigation going to struggle with taking on these images of, the, of oppressors or, or others. So um, in conversations of the gay community, kind of um, how they discuss having a black in, inside of them as a white man, how still an oppressive, uh, marginalizing kind of idea that you have to address that um, you cannot take on these standards of beauty or um, oppressive ideologies and, and identities and um, ways of being, as well as uh, showing uh, you know, yourself um, for your benefit. That is not progressive for the entire community. That's what they meant. Um, similar to um, black women in the civil rights movement and thereafter and before, because it's not a new conversation, um, not falling into the national ego pitch and vice versa, um, there still has to be some sort of um, accountability and because there's still an interactionary space that we have to exist in. Well, I kind of want to um, kind of take the conversation forward a little bit and kind of talk about a little bit of futurism. Um, some people are futurist, and they kind of dwell and live and, you know, the, the, they do the whole future thing. And so, you know, um, like, like you already said, QB, it's not a situation where um, – 
um, society is going to be, you know, 100% fluid or 100% this or that. But let's talk about kind of trends that we're looking at now and the, the, the idea that feminism is kind of running its course through um, society. So when we look at music and entertainment, specifically black music and entertainment, and we look at the guys that are being kind of raised up and raised high, um, they present themselves in a lot of very interesting ways. And some of them toy with homosexuality. Some of them outright um, do things that are considered feminine. Um, some of the clothes and jewelry, and we've discussed this on here um, more, um, but uh, some of the clothes and jewelry is what is or what, what once was considered feminine. And so when you think about role models and you think about how society works, you know, kids look up to entertainers and celebrities, and so they actually um, take on the uh, images of their leaders and the people that they look up to. And so, you know, as a result, uh, there's one school of thought that says, you know, this current crop of, you know, um, uh, you know, eight to 24 year olds um, live a very questionable lifestyle because of the way they present themselves and because of the things that they're into. And so talk to me about kind of what you guys think would be the end result um as far as what masculinity is concerned, because these males are going to turn around and raise up young males. And so do, do y'all think, think that there'll be, end. go ahead. This is, this is, I don't think that this is the end at all. I think that this is the beginning, especially no, when you're talking about the the black community. Um, I'm saying what do you think the end result about, will be? Well, I, well, let, okay. So let me explain. So when you're talking about your little Yachty's, your um, little Uzi Vert, young thugs, when you're talking about the way that some of these younger black male artists are presenting themselves, to me that comes from a place of newfound freedom. I don't necessarily think that those things are coming from a place of, um, like, femininity or homosexuality. I think that it's actually a, a product of hypermasculinity and a product of black people existing in survival mode and coming into coming out of survival mode and experiencing generational wealth. The fact that we are coming out of survival mode and we're not just living for the struggle and we're able to um, explore the world in different ways. Like if you look at Ace Hood, like Ace Hood, Hood nigga, now he's a yogi, he's vegan, he's, he's still extremely masculine, married to a, a banging-ass body. Like, Sheila is crazy. She's amazing. Like, he's still very much a man, but some of the things that he's, that he's doing, it's almost like he climbed up out of a pit. Like, he doesn't feel like he has to be hyper-masculine anymore. He's able to just be free and just do the things that he wants to explore because he's he's comfortable now he's got money now he's not looking over his shoulder every day so I feel like those things are actually a result of survival mode and hyper masculinity and people are just able to be more comfortable with themselves and it fully express themselves because when you look at um Uzi Vert he looked like these white these white boys did in 
fucking 2000. He looked like a Columbine killer. Like, he's just <laughs> literally, he's doing black goth. And my right. thing is, is, is we create blackness. Anything that we do is black because we are black. And so if we're, so if we're doing it, it, it then becomes a part of our culture. He just feels more free to express himself in a way that, that he chooses to express himself. He doesn't feel the need to fit a mold. He doesn't feel the need to look the same way Lil Wayne does because you know what? Kanye told him he didn't have to. Kanye did a whole tour in skirts. I was there, I know. So, like, I feel like it, it's actually the beginning of something, and the, the, the end result will be masculinity looking like femininity and men being able to be free and to come to this place where Jay-Z is, where they're going to therapy and they're crying and they're apologizing to their wives. It's, it, it looks like freedom. That's what it looks like to me. But, um, you know. I, can't, I can't necessarily say I agree because um, <laughs> I feel like that, that's still a dangerous place because um, it still sounds like there's no place for masculinity in that, in that space. I feel like um, we've now misunderstood even with the term hypermasculinity and I even think hyperfemininity, um, how these things are, are, are really entrenched and play out for people in their experiences. Um, I, th- I, I believe there's a masculinity where all those things, um, gentleness and et cetera, uh, are, you know, are a part of that. Um, I don't necessarily feel going into femininity or into the feminine for me is necessary you know, to access those things. So one thing that I think about these conversations is Masculinity seems to be the um, overall lower end of humanity, and femininity seems to be the overall top end of humanity. At any point in time, when you start getting into these paradigms where that is the case, you're going down a very dangerous place because um, the society remains imbalanced. Society remains uh, without um, true recognition of the quality that it needs to um, purvey amongst men and women, um, whomever is taking on those roles. And, um, because they are roles, um, yes, we take those on the social perspectives, but they're perspectives that some of, some of which take place before we come into walking with But I, I don't feel like that's removing masculinity. I feel like um, even in the examples that I gave, those people are still very much men. They're still very much masculine. <laughs> But they're, they are able to explore their individual identity as well and what that means underneath and on top of their masculinity. And, and, but it's, it, in describing masculinity as some type of pit, um, there's still this idea that um, there's not a place to stand and be vulnerable and be – it's still perpetuating um, to me in the conversation how masculinity is being purveyed or propagated amongst those who um, really are taking on the isms and – ways of being of a culture outside of their own. So it's still in these places where people are marginalized when they did not get the economic freedom that certain populations of black people experience for over generations, those men still have to exist in, in, in spaces where they're going to engage with people who will say this is the way to be masculine that may not be from their own culture. Um, it's not necessarily only a um, self-inflicted masculine culture or feminine culture because we still have to take the position of how femininity has impacted our, our community just as much as masculinity um, outside of these spaces that have experienced economic freedom. That's very true. And I would, I would, I would also um, kind of 
argue that um and see this is where it's kind of crazy but it's like um black goth kids aren't new and so no, it's like the the space for it has always been there. He might have got picked on a little bit, but there was also that black goth kid who nobody wanted to fuck with because he might beat your ass <laughs> because he seemed like he look he do look like a little serial killer. He do look like he will fight you. Um, and so it's like one of those things where it's like, um, in some level, I, I'm agreeing with you. Um, masculinity traditionally, what's looked at as masculinity, should be opened up to include. Um, someone that may be a little more in touch with their emotions or someone that's artistic and may, you know, take the style of dance as their particular art form um, and still be very masculine within what they're doing. I think it's just a, we need to get to a place where, like I said, um, everything isn't so rigid because, and then, and then understanding that there's, there's A, there's B, but then there's also C, D, E, F, G, and it just keeps going on and on and on. And so to to say that one holds weight over another is interesting. And there, but in there, but the 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 reality of, I guess the the hard part where for for some people because there are true biological transgendered people that are born transgendered, um, and there are true uh, ambiguous people that were born ambiguous. Um, but the the idea that you you know take elementary school students and uh, present this buffet of identities to them before they even are really getting into their identity, you're low-key setting them up for a life of confusion because you're introducing the concept before they're even prepared to be just be on the concept. Like your cis-het privilege talking because we do present them with a the buffet. Gender is a social construct. So, being a man, being a woman, like, and, and the gender of it, not your sexuality, not your sex, but your gender, that is a social construct, and we are presenting them with a buffet. The, when you have a gender reveal party before your baby's even had its first breath, you are already, like, putting them on that particular assembly line to shove pink things in their face and dolls and this and that, and that's not ladylike. That's not what girls do, and we we do present them with a buffet of things, and and but the, the the issue is that we're only presenting them with one option based on their genitals, as opposed to giving them humanity from the very start and allowing them to say, eh, I, I like a lot of things on both sides. I don't like any of this shit. <laughs> like we we are not giving them the space to choose that for themselves. We're choosing it for them and and then saying, well, when you're old enough, you can go a different way if you choose to. That, to me, doesn't well, make any sense. Well, isn't it, isn't it a situation, though, where um, – because I think if we're saying we're presenting ideas such as, like, um, careers or, like, what – like, sports interests and stuff like that, um, I think that is very much something that we do based on what is the gender. But I'm saying like down to the point where you're presenting relationship like things and you're presenting really your sexuality, things that are related to sexuality that uh, elementary school kid really their mind is not even close to that. So why would you present that conversation to them 
and get their mind in that space prior to them doing it. And then I guess the other part too is sexuality. like sexuality. I mean, your your sexuality begins with with you. Like kids masturbate as early as three and four. Oh yeah, but what I'm saying so, is, you can implant something in my head that I would have never done before. And so now I'm I'm, I think I'm exploring that, I think that things. There is a way to present the information, and it still sounds like you're you're coming from this like feeling of being threatened, like. You know, if if we present them with this information, they might end up being gay. Like, but no, like for even for me, like I'm polyamorous. I have th- three partners right now. I didn't know that was a thing until someone gave me the language. I'm just out here cheating on niggas. So if, if that was something that was an option for me before, I could have saved myself a lot of grief. So it's not necessarily saying that you're forcing, because I, I do think that there's an appropriate way to do things, and I don't know that we've necessarily identified that yet, but I do think that there's an appropriate way to present information to children or to people at all levels so that it's digestible, so that they are given the language to express themselves, because oftentimes people don't have the language that meets the way that they feel inside, and that stuff builds up. <laughs> that causes anxiety and depression and self-doubt, and think about how much more free and how much more um, knowledge that you can gain and experiences that you can gain when you're not having this internal conflict within yourself. Imagine how much, imagine how much more you can flourish if you can check that one thing off of, off of the list and say, you know, I know I'm only 12, but I know that um, the word girl doesn't apply to me. Something about the way I feel when people call me that or when my mom puts me in this dress, like, doesn't feel right to me, as opposed to just, like, suppressing that and shoving it down and shoving it down and living with it and having this internal battle for 25 and 30 years and then finally getting to be yourself and, and basically going back to childhood and having to live this life from the start and you're already middle-aged. Like, imagine how, how many more experiences and how much, how much more positive your life could be if you had those choices. But this, is, this will be my question, though. The same way that that particular person um, doesn't, doesn't, they know that when their parents put that dress on them, doesn't feel right. What would be the difference mm-hmm. between that and a kid who identified with a drug dealer when they were young, or a kid who identified with, like, I remember blatantly, I wanted to be a porn star. I wanted to be a porn star because you got paid to have sex. And that sounded like <laughs> a plan to me. <laughs> so it's a situation. I mean, where... I wanted to be a girl in the Big Timping video. So, I mean, so, there, so there's guess always so going to so, be those. So I guess I'm that's what I'm saying. Like, how do you do? How do you deal with that reality of like this person has this super attachment to this identity, and then as they grow and change and have experiences, they realize that that was something that was that it was not necessarily foolish or something. It was just something that was it was a phase, and so now that they're older, no, I don't want to be a drug dealer. The only problem. I mean, so if we're going to, you know, keep, keep with our theme, you know, if we have this buffet of identities that people are able to choose from, 
And as a young boy, I'm gay. This is lit. I get to hang out with all my little guy friends. We have sleepovers. I don't want to be around no girls. Like, fuck girls. I'm gay as fuck. And you grow up, you have a homosexual experience, and you're like, nah, dog, like, this shit is not for me. The only reason that that would be an issue is because we imbue people with fear and shame for, for exploring themselves for exploring what's out there and seeing whether or not they like it. What is wrong with exploring and what is wrong with experimentation? There's nothing wrong with that. That's very true. Nothing wrong with exploring. I think this is probably the most. The issue is the fear and shame that we put on other people. Right. In my opinion, is a tool of our oppression and Christianity and all that shit. So I just live completely outside of that. Right. Or I try to. And that's interesting um, that you said that because I think this is probably like the most balanced um, conversation I've ever, ever been able to have about it. And I think that we, we gave a pretty balanced perspective. Um, and so, Sydney, the way we usually do um, with this podcast is at the end, we everybody kind of does like a last little statement or word to kind of solidify their thoughts on the topic. Um, and and I'll, I'm going to go first and I'll let y'all go. Um, okay. So tonight, my my last word um, is I want to reiterate, just in case somebody listened to this, just in case I end up deciding to be a politician later on and somebody <laughs> want to dig up this podcast and try to use it against me. Gotcha, bitch. It's not happening. I want to say that uh, I, I, I really am not against, um, like I said, homosexual people. Do what you do. Live your life. Um, live it how you see fit. Because life is short, you to be worrying about what other people think anyway. And then when you when you really put that much focus on other people, um, you really begin to kind of lose track of who you are in general because all of your attention and focus is going on what other people think. And so you might begin to perform thinking that, you know, people are looking at you away. And it's just not even that serious. Um, I could really give a fuck about who you sleep with, what you um, do, what you do. Um, everybody should be out here pursuing happiness. Um, everybody should be trying to be stable. Everybody should be trying to make sure that they got food in their cupboards, food in their stomach, gas money, and uh, lights on, heat, air conditioning, and the, the simple comforts in life. So um, regardless of what your identity is, and even if you, you've listened to this and you felt like I'm this super hateful person, it, well, forget me and don't listen to me ever again. Um, live your life and, and do what you do. And it's my personal belief that um, God or what, what, whatever you identify is God will guide you through um, and you'll be introduced to the people and things that you need um, to make it through. So everybody just keep pushing, do your thing and um, pretty much don't look back. Not, not everybody at once. <laughs> Would you like to go? I'm interested. I feel like I didn't hear very much of what you have to say. I'm very interested in what you asked, what your final thought is. Oh, okay. Um, well, my final thought really uh, still revolves around um, just uh, attaining balance in some leader fashion. Um, we all are driven um, by our own motivations, but um, I believe in the collectivist concept. There is some individualism that needs to be respected in, in, in that, um, but there's still a collective concept that um, – Needs to have cultural basis. I feel like a lot of the conversation that we've had um, has kind of intersected, you know, culture and and, and identity and a lot and, and you know, uh, 
gender, sexual orientation. We've kind of really um, danced through a lot of conversations right now. Um, but just giving ourselves opportunities still in the space, even as we um, attain some financial freedom, but even attain um, different type of spaces um, for blackness to exist in, I still feel like there's a, there's a space where we need to still have opportunities to define um, and, and stand on our own definitions of who we are, very diverse people within ourselves. Um, and that's something that we're participating with, but not necessarily um, having opportunities and in all fairness, it's from my philosophical opinion, to really relish in um, defining ourselves, defining how we see the world, um, and not in um, oversight by anybody else who wants to peer edit a paper, et cetera. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think that for me, the the way that I choose to live my life is to understand that energy doesn't die, it's transferred. And so it is my responsibility to push my lineage forward for everyone who came before me, for all of the giants whose shoulders I stand on. And so I exist as much as possible outside of fear and shame and, and what that means when my life intersects with the lives and the energies of other people. Um, and I think that when we are whole on the inside and we are honest and true, fully realized beings, that when we find ourselves in those intersections, we can have a more positive experience. And I think that when we're approaching situations where we need to be able to be honest with ourselves and to be self-aware and see where those um, those feelings are coming from, specifically feelings like being feeling threatened, um, and understand the ways in which we contribute um, to the actions and reactions um, of other people and other affinity groups and marginalized people. Um, and as black people are the shit, like we are, we're everything where physical manifestations of God, and so you are capable of anything. You are wonderful, incredible, regardless of um, the affinity groups that you find yourself in. And so finding, like, resolve and comfort in that is the most important thing to me. And um, I absolutely agree that, that we do need to find a balance in the masculine and feminine and understand that there is a spec and that those two things do connect and um, what we're trying to figure out is the yin and yang and where they are, um, where they're meshing. So I appreciate y'all having me on. Oh, no problem. No problem. It was definitely a great conversation. And I think, um, uh, we should definitely, on some level, uh, try to uh, either either on the uh, some kind of like even if it was every other month, try to see because a lot of times, like I said, it's just myself, QB, sometimes our homeboy Torrance hops on, so it's usually two or three guys, um, and so having that feminine. Yeah, I mean, pal, these names are sounding real familiar. You see, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I probably yeah, shouldn't yeah. have said that. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I mean, but still, it's, it's okay. It's good, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. 
it's one of them situations where I think specifically you and your perspective um, and you're, like I said, the thing, the, the types of things that you discuss on your podcast um, are very much in line with kind of how, what we do here. Y'all just kind of take it from a feminine. It's almost like a brother sister podcast, honestly, as far as like the topics and how you look at things and how you go about things. Y'all just have a way. Hello. Yeah. On, on some basis, try, um, I think it'd be sweet if uh, on some basis we can try to uh, come together and uh, just share ideas and kind of go from there. So definitely check you out already Thick know Roots I'm podcast. With it. Oh yeah, yes, oh that's yeah. Thick without the K, Thick Roots one word. Um, we're on all platforms. Our Instagram is Thick Roots again, Thick without the K underscore podcast. Um, we release every third. So actually, an episode came out today. Cool. So, and yeah. here at King Vision, release when we release. And, and so um, I'm going to try to, like I said, be more consistent and regular with it. But uh, my life is currently chaotic. And until that becomes more regular, then this is going to be pretty chaotic. Um, but but like I said, there's something revolutionary about that because especially in the world of podcasting and social media, there is this element of performance that I don't think people get goes into putting on these things. And so Mm -hmm. for you to release when you release and for you to allow your life to come first and for people to just get that raw experience, I think is kind of revolutionary because you're, you're not, putting on a mask for this. You're just allowing it to be what it is. And if people enjoy it, then they have to do it on your terms. So I think that, I think that you're on to something. Well, I appreciate that. It definitely makes me feel a lot better. Um, my intention is for sure to put myself um, first. Um, so uh, I don't, I don't think <laughs> uh, I, I'll stop podcasting before I be fucked up and doing a podcast for okay. real. Well, so, um, and but I really appreciate that, and I, I honestly think more people should, more people would get into podcasts if they didn't think that they had to perform, for real, for real. Yeah. So, cause yeah. yeah. But that's for another new version of King Vision. Check us out. Other than that, peace.